This is Pivot Perspectives with Chris O'Byrne, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on their road to success and get exclusive access on how to implement their success into your life and business. Pivot Perspectives is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Chris O'Byrne. Welcome to the show, Philip Kuntz. Really glad that you're able to make it today. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Chris, for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you. So, well, thank you for that. So, uh, what I like to start out with is going back to your childhood. Uh, do you have a story that you can share that you feel was instrumental in developing you into who you are today? Um, I don't know if it's if there's a specific story as much as there is. Uh, you know, I was a little bit of a of a late bloomer as far as, you know, what I wanted to get into growing up, you know, I tried a bunch of sports and instruments and, and it, ironically, I was like one of the most extroverted kids in the entire world. And I landed with swimming. <laughs> so like one of the most introverted sports that there is. So I started swimming at the age of 12. So a little bit late in life, uh, started swimming and, uh, stuck with it through high school and, and uh, you know, ended up swimming for the University of Toledo on scholarship for a couple of years. Uh, but I think swimming growing up really taught me a lot of just grit and resilience, hard work kind of ethic type thing. So, uh, you know, just the, the practices, we had three morning practices, a, you know, a week and then five afternoon practices, you know, six six afternoon practices a week. So constantly in the pool, you know, and, and dealing with the frustrations of, of not swimming well, not making great times, you know, and then what do you do as, as a team when, when that's, when, you know, when that happens and a lot of swimming is, it's all mental, you know, just like any other sport is. So anyways, so I, uh, yeah, just worked, worked hard. Un unfortunately, I didn't really have the the genetics uh, to be the next Michael Phelps, you know, I didn't have that in my, in my DNA, but uh, I, I really, I think swimming really did teach me a lot of, of, uh, of discipline, you know, growing up, which of course I had no idea at the time, but that, that really led to setting me up for success in the Navy. And then the Navy led me into uh, just setting me up for success for what I do today nowadays. So so, but yeah, I mean, I was always that weird kid, though, too. Like, I loved playing with weapons and making weapons in my my dad's my dad's uh, tool in his like his workshop with his tools. And uh, I mean, you name it, I tried to make it and, you know, trapping animals and hunting and bows and arrows and stabs and Chinese stars and throwing knives. And I mean, nunchucks, everything, <laughs> you name it. So I was uh, always just kind of playing in the side yard. And I was just kind of one of those one of those boys that used to wear like camouflage clothes to school and used to get made fun of. And I mean, so I don't know if there's like really one specific moment or, or memory that I can think of that really kind of defined who I was, it was more of a, what I fell into, you know, what I eventually discovered growing up. Well, yeah. And probably uh, helped, helped you be prepared a lot for when you eventually joined the SEALs. Yep. 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 For sure. Yeah. That, that, that comfortability in the water was huge. You know, that's the cold water is generally what gets a lot of guys in buds and it gets them to quit. But uh, you know, there's a lot of underwater evolutions that the, the comfortability 
water holding breath kind of thing in, that that I was afforded in in swimming really helped me out. So, you know, underwater mask retrieval or drown proofing, uh, the underwater knot tying, the fifty meter underwater swim, uh, you know, whatever that might be, it was it was really it was really that, that that swimming that swimming background helped me a lot. And then of course we have our two mile open ocean timed swims every single week in buds that you have to maintain a certain a certain time for that. So uh, that was like my happy place, you know, for those six months of, of, of hell, you know, when we, when we had our swims, it was, uh, it was nice. It just kind of turned my brain on autopilot and just kind of go and, and uh, just, just kind of recoup for, for those couple hours. I like that. So yeah. then, and, and I'm, I'll come back with a question about the seals, but I, I want to go into what, you know, what, is your business now? What inspired you to start that business? How did that kind of come about? Yeah. So I, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, right. And I'm not the most entrepreneurial person that, that that's out there, but uh, you know, I, when I got out, I, I did some sensitive site exploitation. So I was a contractor for a couple of years. Um, and then door open for me to step into a pastoral position. So it's kind of interesting. Like I went from a Navy SEAL to a pastor and people are like, like, how does that work? You know? And, uh, and I'm like, well, God, God just moved me from the physical fight to the spiritual fight, you know? And I, I, I get spiritual warfare, man, on a whole, on a whole new level. Cause I've, I've seen evil, you know, stare, stared it in the face kind of thing, you know, like the real evil you have. on the, on the planet. So I was in a, a pastor for a little while. That's what led me out here to Colorado where I'm at right now with my wife and, and five kids. And uh, it was while I was out here getting my master's in leadership at Denver Seminary that my dad calls me and and uh, he's like, hey, you know, he, my dad was a financial advisor uh, for about 30 years and, and gives me a shout and says, hey, uh, what do you think about me flying you back home to Cincinnati where I was born and raised and you can do a client appreciation event for me? You know, and I'm like, OK, dad, sure, that's, that sounds good. What, what the heck's a client appreciation event? So I was I was standing. I found myself standing up in front of 80 people talking about my time and experience in the teams and have like a little presentation and stuff with it. And, and uh, everything, the ball just kind of started rolling at that point. So I never got out of the of the teams thinking that I, you know, wanted the limelight and uh, write books and be a public speaker and all that stuff. But it really just kind of fell in my lap with my dad asking me. My dad, I joke around, he really was like my first client. And uh, and so you know, the, starting the business and the business cards and the marketing efforts and the social media and the videos and then writing a book and developing different presentations and my network and all of that just contributed. So over the last eight years. That's what I've been doing is I'm a, I'm a public speaker. I fly around the country and, uh, and, and give my, I've got four different presentations that I give, uh, my most sought after ones right now, I've got a really great self-defense presentation that people love. It's called living free and fearless. Another one is uh, overcoming adversity. And so of course, you know, the, the, the day and age that we live in right now, that one really seems to hit home, you know, overcoming adversity. I've got a leadership one, three-dimensional leadership. And then the, my fourth one is called being prepared for the unknowns. Uh, so that's uh, pretty much a little bit of what I do right now, that public speaking. And then I don't know if you want to transition. I'm a, a life and business coach as well, too. So I have just a few clients that I work with. And that really started uh, organically from my speaking career as well, too. So I'm speaking to audiences and businessmen, and they come up to me afterwards and they're like, hey, 
like, Phil, you must be really mentally tough. Like, can you help me get to that next level in my practice and my business, you know, get to that next level of performance and success. So I started, I started really developing my, my, my coaching practice about six years ago or so. And uh, it's been going well. Again, I've got just a handful of clients because that's really all I have the time for. I really want to give them specialized and individual attention. Uh, so that's going well. It's it's a smaller portion of of the pie, and then and then back in 2020, I got a call from uh, a guy. He was uh, the owner of of, uh, of a knife company called Karambit Tactical Knives, and and a Karambit knife is it's a hawk bill shaped blade, and it was one that I was introduced to for the first time in the SEAL teams. It's actually fell in love with it, used it as my tertiary weapon, and uh, and I just been carrying it ever since. So as I'm public speaking, as I'm pulling this thing out and showing people my gear, you know, inevitably people are like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. Like, how can I, where can I get a knife like that? And then, uh, and then another light bulb goes off in my head and I'm like, oh, I just need to start selling these things, you know, buying a bunch of them and selling them because there's a lot of knockoffs that are out there. So, you know, I'm selling them at my, at my presentations, at my gigs for probably about five years. And that's when I get a call in uh, really smack dab in the middle of COVID. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm selling the business. You've been a really loyal customer. What do you think? So another opportunity presented itself. I made a few phone calls to some friends, to some investors. And lo and behold, we are now the uh, uh, myself and then my business partner, who's a financial advisor, William Simpkins, out in Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, we are the new proud owners of Karambit Tactical Knives, and we've been owning, we've owned it, and we've been operating now uh, for about two years. It's been a company for about eight, eight to nine years now. Uh, so we're the, the the country's largest distributor of of Karambit knives. Nice. So lots going on. <laughs> yeah, lots I was going to say you're, you're juggling, right? Yeah, yeah. You're a you're a typical entrepreneur. You're you have yeah. your hands in a lot of pies. Um, the, what I was going to ask earlier is, is how does your how did your time in the seals affect what you're doing in business now? And on kind of on a surface level, it's pretty easy to see. It, it affects like the talks that you do and um, helping people learn toughness and the knives. But maybe dig into that uh, at a deeper level. How did that time prepare you to be uh, an entrepreneur? Yeah, there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of failures that happen in the SEAL teams, believe it or not. And we make a lot of mistakes, but we have to learn from those mistakes, right? That's the definition of insanity is doing something over and over and over again, hoping for different results, right? So the, one of the ways that we stay tip of the spear, as we call it in the SEAL teams, is uh, we we do something called an AAR, after action reviews. This is just one of many exercises that we go through. So after uh, a, a live fire evolution, training evolution or after every mission we get back to the green zone or we get back there at camp and before we we eat or take care of our gear or anything else we all circle up together and we ask ourselves three basic questions we say what went right what went wrong and how can we improve and those three questions and doing that and having the discipline of, of of conducting those aars after every single evolution, live fire evolution, and every single mission has really helped us uh, 
with a couple of things. One is it's helped instill a humble learning posture within us because no one's perfect, right? And instead of pointing the finger at other people saying, well, I did this because of that person or they, they did this or, you know, I did this because of external environmental, you know, whatever circumstances, uh, you take ownership. You know, and you say, you know what? Yeah, I, I messed that up. I'm, I'm going to take the, the hit on that one. And, and we learn from those mistakes. And that just helps us to get better and better and better and improve more and more. So having that humble learning posture has really been helpful. And then just learning from our mistakes, you know, being able to to uh, hit that hit that reset button and say, hey, you know what, we're going to do something. We're going to try it differently the next time. And and sometimes it doesn't work. So I think that 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 mindset has really helped me in the SEAL teams has really helped me now to become an entrepreneur because I've tried several things and, you know, they haven't worked before. And and it's like, OK, well, back to the drawing board, you know, rather than kicking myself and and going into my head and playing those mental those those very destructive mental tapes of like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm a failure. I'm never going to measure up. And, you know, those types of things that we all have and struggle with, uh, it really helps me to be able to, you know, kind of conduct an AAR, if you will, a personal AAR after action review and say, you know what, that didn't work so well. How can I learn from that? How can I tweak some things? Or maybe there's just another avenue of approach that I can go down that's going to lead to more success in, in the long run. Awesome. So this next question uh, maybe let's apply it to your speaking business. So what makes it unique and valuable to your customers? You know, how, how does it address a, a specific need or problem that they have? Yeah, uh, you, you know, regardless of whatever industry you're in, everyone has systemic issues that are pretty much the same. You know, there's some things operationally that that differ. Uh, but I always do a really good job of doing my homework before I go and, and speak to, to whoever it is that I'm speaking to and, and really understanding what they're going through. And I would say just between you and me, Chris, a, a lot of times it's it's people. A lot of times the, the messiness in, in, in cultures that, that we build is it's all around people. And, you know, that's the main difference between being a manager nowadays and being a leader. You know, not a lot of people are great leaders. They just strive to be, you know, the manager and kind of dot the I's and cross the T's and checks the boxes, right? So managing is more focused on tasks, being more task oriented and results driven. Leadership is all about developing people, you know, and everybody is messy. I'm sure I'm way messier than you are, but, uh, (laughs) you know, we all have baggage. We've all got our stuff that we deal with. And our ability to help navigate people as we're developing them as leaders, as we're empowering them to do their jobs better and better, sometimes we're going to bump up against each other and bump up against those raw areas of those triggers in life. And it's going to get, it's going to get kind of messy. And how you navigate that is, makes all the difference in, in leadership. So, so the, what I talk about in my talks, not only do I share personal stories of, of, of my own personal life and then my, my time in the teams as well, too? I, I strive to be very authentic and to connect with my audience, but I want to make sure I'm a really practical guy. So I really want to make sure that I'm giving them uh, valuable lessons learned. I'm giving them valuable, very practical exercises. Uh, for example, you know, I, I'm a big uh, mindfulness, uh, gratitude type person, you know, and, and believe that there's a lot of positive benefits that happen in having a thankful, very grateful attitude in life. And so I got a, you know, a great 
practical exercise that I help lead them through. And, and there's different things like, well, how do you breathe? You know, how, what's the right way to breathe? So we're releasing less of the, uh, more of the serotonin, the dopamine, right. The feel good kind of emotions rather than the cortisol, which is what, you know, the stresses and the anxiety and that's what triggers us and gets us all keyed up. So there's different things that I can help lead them through that everyone deals with in business, regardless of the industry that you're in. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've had the advantage of, you know, watching as many of your videos that I could get my hands on. Uh, So I, I, you know, several of those posted on your website and uh, I made sure ahead of time that I got to listen to all of those. Uh, Definitely a fan and looking forward to hearing you speak again uh, and hearing you speak in person. Could you share, you know, who are some key influences or mentors that, that played a significant role for you? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think my my father, uh, I had an estranged relationship with my father for about 10 years growing up. Uh, but when I was a young adult, he had a tremendous impact on me as that relationship was really, uh, we, we worked through a lot of those dynamics and, and were able to heal, you know, through some of the messiness that we had gone through. Uh, so my dad, absolutely. He's one of uh, my pack. You know, I talk about my pack and overcoming adversity, who you surround yourself with. So my dad's a part of my pack. Uh, definitely a pretty, pretty solid anchor in my life. I would say growing up was uh, my swim coach, uh, Mike Leonard at Powell Crosley YMCA right there in Cincinnati, Ohio on Winton Road. Um, that was my home away from home. And he pushed me. He knew who I was and what I was capable of and wouldn't allow me to make excuses and feel sorry for myself. So he was really uh, instrumental, I think, in, in, in really developing a lot of that hard work and grit and resilience that I talked about in swimming. Uh, and then of course I'd be remiss if I didn't say my, my ultimate, my ultimate, uh, person of interest and influence is, is probably I'm a man of faith. So it's, it's Christ, you know, and just looking at his example in, in the Bible and, and trying to strive to be more like him and live like him and respond, <laughs> responding like him is so hard sometimes. All right. Especially with the high grace required people you know, that we, that we have in life that we deal with in life. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's impossible. You can't pick your coworkers, right? You can't pick your colleagues. You can't pick your family, right? And you're kind of stuck with, with those people sometimes. So how do you, how do you, uh, how do you empathize uh, with those types of people? How do you have, how do you build your own emotional intelligence to know how and when to respond with, with grace, with tact, you know, or sometimes just not responding at all, you know, and setting those healthy boundaries with people as well too. So anyways, Jesus, definitely <laughs> one of my, uh, one of my, one of my uh, people that, that I look up to as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and the same for me, it, it, I have to point to him as the number one influence on everything I do in my business. I have a lot of people I look up yep. to and I, I follow along with them, but they're, they're just not at that level and never will be. And that's right. So it's great to have somebody at that level yeah. that, you know, is, is, is the, the level of perfection. Right? Yeah. The level of perfection that we're always constantly striving to, to attain. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But then, yep. I mean, you know, as leaders, sometimes we are, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm really hard on myself. You know, as leaders, sometimes we can be the hardest on ourselves. Oh yeah. 
grief, the, the ones that, that have a hard time forgiving ourselves or letting something go, letting a mistake go, that sort of thing as well, too. So, yeah, that's been a, a lesson I've had to learn as well, too, over the years of giving myself grace, allowing myself uh, the option, the ability to fail, but then learning from that uh, and not beating myself up too much over it. Right. And, and really learning how to mentally kind of push through that and, and persevere through it. Yeah, as, sure. as we're striving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So looking back on your, on your journey, what would you say has been the most valuable lesson that you've learned along the way? Uh, specifically my journey in the SEAL teams, I would say, <clears throat> well, there's a lot, maybe the first one that comes to my mind is just the, the ability to be positive and, and really learn how to be positive even when you don't feel like it, uh, even when it doesn't come natural to you, uh, really learning how to, to be positive. That perseverance piece is huge too. Uh, really adopting kind of a, a this too shall pass kind of mentality in life, knowing that the, the light is at the end of the tunnel, uh, that as, as people, both professionally and personal in our professional lives, personal lives, that, that the hardships that we go through and the devastations that we, that we, you know, experience in life that they don't last forever and, and really learning how to just take it one day at a time and making those small goals for ourselves. You know, when I showed up to the SEAL teams, I made a lot of mistakes as a new guy, you know, we were drinking through a fire hose and Sometimes, you know, you have to make small goals for yourself instead of saying like, hey, I'm going to learn everything that there is to learn about VBSS or close quarter combat or, you know, whatever that training might be. Uh, you know, you have to make little small goals for yourself and really learn how to uh, just take it one day at a time as as we're learning uh, as as human beings. And so that that's. I would say that positivity, that positivity piece has been huge. And then the perseverance piece has been huge. And these lessons that I've had to learn and, and kind of take from each experience that I've had in life, each major season that I've had in life as I'm moving on. And I'm only 43 years old, so I've got decades of more <laughs> mistakes and experiences, you know, to be able to live through and more mistakes to make. Unfortunately, that's the bad news, right? But uh, hopefully at, at 43, I've, I've, I have a decent enough equation and, and enough uh, tools in my tool belt to be able to help me to learn from those, to thrive through those hardships and not just survive, you know, white knuckling it or hanging on by my fingertips kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is good advice. Now, uh, I've also had the advantage of having read your book and could you tell us a little bit more about your book, kind of how that came about and what it's about, who it's sure. for? Yep. Uh, my book is called The Truth Behind My Trident. And uh, it is basically the book that I wish I would have read before going into the Navy. Uh, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have discouraged me from going into the SEAL teams, but it would have helped me go in, I think with eyes wider open. So, you know, Hollywood does a great job, Chris, as you know, of portraying the missions of our, of, of us SEALs, Zero Dark 30, Lone Survivor, 13 Hours, uh, you name it, Captain Phillips. I mean, all the movies that are out there and they actually have active duty Navy SEALs on set teaching these, the, these movie producers what our standard operating procedures are. And I'm like, you guys realize Americans aren't the only ones watching these movies, right? Like, I understand yeah. you want to make a truckload of money with this movie, but come on guys, right? Like at what, at, at what cost? So one day I, I hit the 
the figure to pause button. I was like, hold on, I called a timeout. I'm like, I want to figure out and calculate out how much time is actually spent boots on the ground conducting our missions as SEALs, uh, which is exactly what Hollywood is portraying. And uh, I calculated it out and it was only 3% of our time, waking hours, only 3% of our time was actually boots on the ground conducting the four different mission sets that we, primary mission sets that we can go on as Navy SEALs. So that got me thinking, I'm like, well, wow, the other 97%, what is that all about? And that's what I really wanted to capture in my book as I, as I try to pull back the curtain and show the general public really what an average day in the life of a Navy SEAL looks like as I walk through my own personal journey in the SEAL teams before, during, and then after as well, too. And, and, and exposing a little bit of the underbelly, right, of, of the teams. I say, you know, it's, it's a little bit more like a junior high locker room, right, than, than you would expect. And unfortunately, you know, you see some of the things that have actually been in the news nowadays, uh, just very recent news with what's going on with the uh, in, in buds and in, in, in forcing to uh, for, forcing the, the top three brass to be able to retire to have to retire after the tragic death that occurred there, you know, after Hell Week. And, you know, it's just uh, it's unfortunate, but that's that's kind of some of the. the that that's just the way that it goes sometimes. And so, yeah, that's the truth behind my trident is, is the book that I, I wish I would have read, but uh, that's, that, well, that was the motivation behind it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I found that it was, uh, it was interesting from the story aspect, but it also had some great lessons in there too. So, uh, you know, a book yeah. I would recommend for anybody interested in, in becoming a better yeah. reader. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I'm a really practical guy. So I, I, you know, I wrote the book that really would be great for these candidates going in, but I also wanted it to be applicable for everybody else as well, too. So I talk about the go bag, you know, what's in your go bag of life. You know, this is what was in my go bag in the SEAL teams. And this is how it protected me. What do you have in your go bag as your tools to help prepare you for success in life, even in the midst of the, the challenges and the struggles, you know, that we all go through. So then just to wrap things up, how can people find out more about you? Uh, well, they could go on my website. My website is Phil Kuntz, so P-H-I-L, and my last name, Kuntz, K-O-O-N-T-Z, philkuntz.com. Uh, they could find my book on Amazon. I'm on Kindle and Audible as well, too. Uh, I would say that's probably the, the best way. And then I'm on social media. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram and uh, Twitter, Facebook as well, too. So Instagram, I think I'm Phil Kuntz or Philip Kuntz author. And then, you know, on the other platforms, they can find me under Philip Kuntz. Perfect. Well, thank you yeah. so much for your time and for, for sharing all of that with us today. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, Chris, for inviting me, man. It was a, it was a good time. And uh, looking forward to meeting you in person next month on the 21st of July. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pivot Perspectives with your host, Chris O'Byrne. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advice on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we will see you on the next episode.